0: Hi, this is Glenn Delakian, host of Tandem Radio, the good news on business, heard every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bridge FM or on the web. Thanks for joining us for a special series, Building a Kingdom Minded Company. Whether you're a business owner or just starting your first job, our desire is that God would influence every part of your life, including your business world. Mark Griffin, president of In His Name HR, which provides human resources consulting for many organizations, Bring some fantastic tools on faith and work through his 12 part series on building a company for God's glory. Let's join Mark and host D. Kovac for this segment on building a kingdom minded company here at tandemradio.com.
1: I'm D. Kovac, and today we're talking with Christian business consultant Mark Griffin about his company, In His Name Human Resources. In his name, HR is leading business as a kingdom-minded company. During this 12-part series, Mark gives you the tools to prosper as a kingdom-minded company. Welcome back, Mark. Here we are. This is our 10th show together, and today we are going to be touching and talking about a very hard subject, and that is how to get non-performers off the bus. very first thing I'm going to ask you, Mark, is... What's a non-performer?
2: Well, Dee, this is always a hard uh, topic to to bring up and to d- discuss, and oftentimes I find that leaders and supervisors don't really want to discuss uh, the poor performers. But I think in every organization, when you go in and you take a hard look, uh, there's sometimes people that are non-performers. And what a non-performer would be is somebody that you consistently uh, have to give feedback to Uh, that just isn't performing to the expectations of the company, nor are they really performing to the expectations uh, of what they should be doing as an employee as well.
1: Well, if somebody's a non-performer, they're not producing what they should be doing within their job description, then that has to be quantifiable, doesn't it? It's not just a matter of purely opinion, but it is about what is being produced.
2: Well, there's a variety of ways that you can approach non-performance. Now, we're going to take it for granted that, uh, and, and all the scenarios that we talk about, that the employee has a job description. They know what it is that they need to be doing. That the company has a handbook and employees have embraced it and they understand what's required within the handbook. And of course, you have a performance review process, an annual process that the employees into. They understand the goals and objectives. But, there's really a couple areas that non-performance would fall into. And, you know, one area would be behavior. Uh, That would be an area that employees are not living up to the values of the organization. Uh, Or it could be performance, performance in the area of productivity, uh, working uh, quality product, uh, safety, all the areas within performance. So there's really two uh, areas in my HR experience Where employees could fail not to perform, and that would be behavior and then performance with a variety of areas underneath it.
1: Okay, so a non performer, uh, if you are, uh, you could be selling millions of dollars worth of merchandise, top salesman for the company, but if you make that critical decision to behave poorly or to do something that is illegal or uh, is against the company's set of rules and the HR practices and those that have been put into place, you're a non-performer. You are unable to, to do your job because of that.
2: Absolutely. And if you're not in a situation that you can be rehabilitated or if the uh, actions within that behavior are so horrible and so aggrievous that they need to be separated, then that needs to take place. But that's an area that always makes Executives and leaders a little dizzy, and that's when you talk about someone that's a rainmaker that's bringing in millions of dollars to the corporation, but really is doing it underhandedly or at least giving the appearance of doing it inappropriately. And I believe if you're leading a kingdom-minded organization, that you need to hold employees' feet to the fire and do it the right way because it's not sustainable. It may be sustainable for a short period of time, but it'll come back to burn the company. So you're better off addressing it now and taking care of it than to let it continue to to fester.
1: Well, a lot of people think that because we're a kingdom-minded company, that that means we're Christians, of course, and that is all about forgiveness. Why shouldn't I forgive if I'm a business owner? How many times am I supposed to forgive a non-performer? Aren't I supposed to forgive a non-performer?
2: No. Being a Christian business owner, quite frankly, means that you hold people accountable, and you hold people accountable to agreed-upon goals and objectives. And if you don't, I think you're failing the, the employee. I think you're failing your co-leaders And quite frankly, I think you're failing God because God calls us forward to manage our people, to do it correctly, and to help prosper the organization. But you can't be prosperous if you continue to have people on board with bad behavior and bad performance.
1: Don't you find that there are people out there, and and you're working with Christian business leaders. They've come to you with these kind of scenarios, surely, because it's not anything new. And they don't know how to handle it because they don't want to be the bad guy. They don't want to be the person that has to make the decision. But, you know, one of the things that I found most powerful in my in lots of relationships, and that is that, you know, Jesus told the disciples, don't carry anything with yourselves as you go in and you're spreading the word and people will take you in. And if they don't want to accept you, then on your way out of town, knock that dust off your feet and go. Exactly. And this is what you're telling us.
2: That is what I'm telling you. And we need to be courageous with the decision-making. But also, we we need to be courteous. We need to treat people with dignity and respect. And I am about giving people a second chance and a third chance, but not a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh chance. If it's an infraction, if it's a situation where the person made a mistake uh, they can rehabilitate. It's something that's not indicative of their personality. Or, or you know that it's it's repairable. But if it's not repairable, if it's something that continues to go on and on, and you've given a 30-day notice to the employee or you put them in, in, in a review system to help them, then it's best you cut them loose and, and, and let them go find somewhere else where they're going to be prosperous and they're going to fit in correctly.
1: We talked in a previous show about HR practices and what you're talking about, the 30-day notice or the ability to correct the problem and giving the employee notification. That's all a part of what's being put into HR practices and and why it's actually Christian to do that because you are giving them a lifeline.
2: Uh, absolutely. We talked in previous shows about uh, annual performance reviews and how important it is to have uh, agreed-upon goals and objectives but really for the sake of uh, talking about dealing with non-performers, I, my experience have, has been to use a performance improvement program, which is really a 30-day, 60-day, or 90-day program that really focuses on that employee's current situation. So if the supervisor's gotten to the point and the employee's gotten to the point where, wow, you know, we, we may need a part company, that we put a program in place that says to the employee, This is your this is your last shot across the bow of the boat. You need to make a decision. You need to come up with a plan that you're gonna close these deficiencies and, and be gainfully employed by doing certain things and, and allow the employee to help develop what that plan is to close the gap. If they're not interested in developing a plan or they're not interested in rehabilitating or getting the skills or stopping behaviors, then they probably shouldn't be in the 30, 60-day or 90-day plan, but they're very much a part of, hey, this is where we're at. Don't hide it anymore. Don't have side discussions. Put everybody in a room and say, this is where we're at. You You, you either got to go or you have to you know, go through this plan.
1: We talked about HR practices and we talked about the Christian thing to do with non-performers but this also brings to light the due diligence and the responsibility of supervisors and company owners to take those few moments through the course of whatever period of time it is and to make those notes, to make those notations of the really exceptional things people have done and Anything that you see that may be something that is uh, a red flag, not anything, of course, that is grounds for dismissal, like breaking a law or breaking the company's policy or, or you know, stealing any of that kind of stuff. That's for grounds sure. for dismissal. At that time, absolutely. Absolutely. But for people who are non performers, just start meeting up. You really have to be able to step back and look at the whole situation and not just one example you did not do this on this day but if a supervisor is doing due diligence
2: then the employees shouldn't be surprised that they're in this bad circumstance
1: That's when the, the employee
2: surprised and their eyes are big and they're like i have no idea i was having a problem it's usually indicative of a bad supervisor and it happens a lot of times supervisor will finally crack and say i need to fire this person we got to get rid of them they're not performing well when was the last time you talked to him well, I talked to him a month ago. Well, a month ago isn't good enough. You know, not letting them know that they're not performing is an issue. That's a bad supervisor. Quite frankly, they should be written up for being a poor supervisor. But I also push back on the employees as well. I think employees have an obligation to check in with their supervisors, check in with their managers, and see how they're doing as well. They shouldn't put the onus solely on the manager to say, well, the manager never told me I wasn't doing well. Well, why haven't you gone out of your way to go to the manager and say, how am I doing? What can I do to do better to perform for the organization? What can I do to better myself for the company? You know, it's a two-way street. If the employee's just waiting for the manager to jump out and tell him what to do, I, I think that's bad. I've been in circumstances where, if I didn't ask my manager, I would have never gotten any feedback. I had to go to my manager and say, hey, how am I doing? Am I am I meeting your, your expectations? Am I meeting the company expectations? That's kingdom-building company stuff. That's stuff that develops that dialogue both ways.
1: But it's also very important to have that framework put into place and have those things where you have regular performance evals and procedures for the performance eval where each party has the ability to not only speak but document the results and to sign the uh performance eval also.
2: That's right, Dee. In fact, the the performance, I call it performance for business results, is what I use as the annual evaluation program in companies that I support. And I customize it to fit each organization because each organization is a little bit different. But really in the core of that is that dialogue mechanism. Are they going to meet once a quarter? Are they going to meet every six months? How is the supervisor and the employee going to meet? I also build in their language that The employee, if the supervisor fails to meet with them or sets up that the employee has an obligation to set it up, then if the employee can't set it up because the supervisor won't meet with them, then the employee needs to go to the supervisor's manager. You need to have cross-reference processes in place to make sure that there's not just one meeting a year. And we've all worked for companies where we have that one meeting a year and everybody hates it. But performance should be a continual dialogue between the employee and the manager several times a year
1: what about those scenarios that you mentioned earlier addiction it's a problem in the country addiction and it changes people and it makes them into things that are incredibly different than what they are typically how as a an owner or a supervisor what's the way as a christian business owner to handle people who possibly have addiction affecting the way they're performing
2: I've been exposed to addiction within the workplace many, many times uh, in my 20-plus year career. Uh, addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction is, is extremely close to me, not only as an HR professional, but also uh, through friends, through relatives. So I'm very close to it, and I have a, a lot of empathy for people with drug and alcohol issues. But I really have found until the employee comes forward and says, I have an issue, I need help, I need to correct this myself, no punitive action or forcefulness to get that person rehabilitated will ever work. It's really up to the employee to make the decision that I need to be fixed, I'm not right. But forcing them into rehabilitation or outpatient really is not going to work unless they're part of that decision-making and it's not punitive to them that they're making that choice. But it has to be a pretty good discussion around we think you need help. If you're agreeable to the help, we'll work you through this. But we're not going to work you through it forever either. We're going to go through this one time, whether it's rehab that they choose but we're not going to allow you to use your addiction and your bad behavior as a crutch for your career, for the rest of your career.
1: So when we are at the point where everybody has been informed and being the employee, the supervisor, the employee, they've had the dialogue, it's you know it's apparent non-performer, I have to do something about it. That's tough for anybody, Christians also. It, what is your advice?
2: It can be tough, but I've watched employees perk up and and, and come to uh, uh, the occasion and do really well when they finally got called to the carpet and they thought, wow, if I don't change my behaviors, if I don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm not going to be an employee here any longer. Of course, there's some people that just say, oh, I'm going to fail anyway. I don't care. I want to be terminated and let go and and they want to move on. So uh, all, all... all Situations are going to be a little bit different. I can't really give you statistics to say it's going to it's going to work, uh, you know, seventy percent of the time. But I do know, not doing anything, the long term effect is disastrous for all the employees that are witnessing bad behavior or poor performance, and that employees left on 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 the management team are left in the hourly ranks.
1: When you have a non performer and you're getting ready to get them off the bus. Uh, documentation is key. Wouldn't that be correct? And your HR practices are key.
2: Uh, uh, absolutely. Consistent practices that are in place, consistent documentation. You know, it's not right as Christian leaders to take somebody that's been with the company for 15 years, make a decision to terminate them or separate them for poor performance, and, again, that employee had no idea that it was coming. If they know it's coming, then you've probably done the documentation well, and they, they know that they're failing, but I, I always think it's important to hold people accountable, uh, but to also give them some time to respond, reflect, and try to rehabilitate their behavior if it's not something, uh, that's so terrible.
1: Legally, uh, professionally, how do you protect yourself? when you're in that situation where you have to let somebody go? Are there certain things that everybody needs to be mindful of when or if, unfortunately, they have to let someone go?
2: Sure. You know, of course, there's always uh, laws. There's discrimination uh, issues. Uh, The most important things that I tell organizations are to apply their, their policies or procedures Consistent across the whole organization, regardless of age, sex, male versus female, sexuality, religious uh, preference, whatever it is, as long as they, you know, follow those consistently, they should not have any legal issues. To give people some uh, due process, have them have the opportunity to speak to somebody outside of their 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 um, leadership chain. Uh, That's always helpful so that they can get some help if they need some help without fear of reprisal.
1: Thank you, Mark. We thank you out there listening to us. In our next show, Mark Griffin of In His Name Human Resources, will discuss how to effectively get Christ introduced to your workplace in your kingdom company. We hope you join us.
0: You've been listening to Mark Griffin of In His Name HR at Tandem Radio, the good news on business. Be sure to check out some of Mark's other segments at www.tandemradio.com. That's tandemradio.com. You can find out more about Mark and In His Name HR as well as other shows and videos on our website. Also, be sure to tune in every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on The Bridge FM or The Web. Thanks again for joining us for the good news on business.